0: to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. Do not harden your heart as in the rebellion, as in the day of the trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me. They tried me and they saw my works for 40 years. I was angry with this generation. Wow, it takes a lot to get God angry. And he said, they always wander or go astray in their hearts. So here's the children of Israel, signs, wonders, miracles. You know, gems falling on the ground. We've had that here. We've had gems fall on the ground and feathers fall and gold dust and parting of, not parting of the Red Sea here, but they had the parting of the Red Sea. We're working on that one. <laughs> miracles, signs and wonders. And yet God said, despite everything that I did, they wander in their heart. I read this passage and I thought, how can somebody see so many miracles and yet their heart's wandering from God? How can they not know my ways, the Lord said? So he says, I swore on my wrath, they're not going to enter my rest or enter into my heart. Verse 12, so you beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you. So God's saying to you today, and, and if you think there's no unbelief or hardness in your heart, then this message is for you. He says, beware. Lest in any of you, any me... See, I'm aware that there's areas in my heart that have become hardened and unbelief. So you can have unbelief and faith residing in the same heart. Anyway, beware lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily. And that's what I'm doing today. I'm exhorting you. While it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin... And that's what happens when we go through bitter times, hard times, the deceitfulness of sin. So we don't realize what's taking place. We don't go about trying to establish a hard heart. But when we don't manage our hard times properly, what sin does, it causes a callousness of the heart. And you hear people like that who have become so bitter and callous in the heart. They may love God. They may be believers. But there's something about the heart that's not right. It sings a sort of tune. They open their mouth and out it comes. You may have um, a friend like that. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it's said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And this is what I was sharing last week. God's saying, don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. So why was Israel's heart so unbelieving and hard? I'm recapping, I know, so some of you have heard this, but it's going to help where we're going. And the reason their hearts were so hard and unbelieving was, if you study Exodus 1, they went through bitter times. They went through hard times, hard labor, cruel, hard times. And and see, what happens is, They never dealt with that bitterness when they came into the promised land. So despite everything that God had done, their hearts had never recovered from the bitter times of their past. So that's why God can do miracles, signs and wonders right in front of you. But because you haven't dealt with the bitterness of your past, you don't understand his ways and you cannot respond. And I said last week, the enemy will cause our minds to return to past painful events to stir up our emotions afresh and bring them into the present. So remember I said, your mind can take you back to an event. Say there's a bad event that happened in your life or a challenging time. And all of a sudden, you think about that event and your emotions get stirred up. It's like it happened yesterday. And then your mind, as it's prone to do, then just moves on. But it doesn't tell your heart. And your heart's left with this heavy load for the rest of the day. And you wonder yourself, why am I depressed? It's because your mind has taken you back to past events. You've caught sight of that and your heart doesn't know how to process it. It has never recovered from that event. I said the enemy knows it's easier to perpetuate a lie in the emotions than in the mind. Think about that. So if he's going to perpetuate lies in your life, it's going to come primarily through the emotions of your heart. And then I went on to say this statement, if we feel unloved by God in a moment, and we don't define this moment, both mentally according to the mind of Christ and emotionally according to the heart of the Father, our hearts will wander because of the pain and we will turn to idols as a way of coping. That's a long line, isn't it? So if we go through a bad event, and I, at the end of all, during, before, during and after, if I don't define that event according to the mind of Christ, what was happening in this event? Can I understand it? Sometimes you can't understand it, but all the time you can deal with the emotion of that event. You can't always deal with the mind of that event. There are events that I cannot explain. I don't understand why they happen, but. I've got to be able to deal emotionally with that event that I may not be able to understand. And if I don't, if I keep doing that in my life, what happens is my heart will turn to an idol to cope with that pain. Yeah. So I said, you know, in my life, when things have gone wrong and I'm not coping, and I'm not dealing emotionally with this, my way of coping was to turn the TV on and watch the football or the cricket. Now, there's nothing wrong with doing that but I was using these vehicles as a way of checking out because deep down my heart was angry with God, angry about the circumstances, and I attached myself to an idol. And this is what Israel did. As they came out of Egypt, they came truckloads of idols in their hands. The Bible says, Ezekiel said, they came out with idols. Is anyone there? Yeah. It's so important to define our thoughts and sense our emotions in the painful times, and come to a right conclusion before we move forward. And somebody said the first thing that Moses did, because he knew that he had a million followers, and they all had issues. Imagine having a church full of a million people, and they all had idols (laughs) and issues. You'd strike the rock too, I think. It would have struck a few people as well. (coughs) So the first thing, I'm just thinking about striking people. No, no. So the first thing that Moses did was when they went through the Red Sea, he began to sing the song of Moses. And I said that worship is emotion combined with truth. It's interesting that he says in Exodus 15, the Lord is my strength and song. He's become my salvation. And I felt the Lord say to me the song of Moses and Miriam was a gift from God to redefine the pain of Israel so they could move forward into the promised land. And Moses and Miriam sang the song, but the rest didn't follow because we know the next story is that they're at the the bitter waters, Everywhere they go, God's saying to them, you haven't dealt with your bitterness of heart. And he was showing us the key that whenever I go or well, you go through bitter times and our heart's prone to wander and attach itself to idols, God's saying the way to deal with the brokenness and bitterness of the heart is to worship into that experience until the pain goes. We go through painful things. And, and so God's saying, well, you know what? If you don't deal with it, your heart's going to wander. And the next time... See, this is so important because the heart is the place where seeds of destiny come. Mark 4 says there's a stony heart, there's a, there's a wayside. And what that is, is people walk over your heart long enough, the heart becomes hardened, and when the seeds come down, they can't bear 30, 60, 100 fold. The angels in the trees that I've spoken about, they can't take those seeds of destiny and begin to work with you you, your, your boundaries don't increase. Your heart can't in, can't increase because it's it's hardened because of pain because you never worshipped into your pain. Well, that's really hard, Andrew. I know, but it's harder to be bitter and hard. And so you, I I meet people and I've been like this that. God begins to move and speak and they close. So I could stand here today and preach on giving and tithing and prosperity. And some of you may have a hard heart in that area. And straight away a wall comes up. And so the seeds of destiny that are knocking on your door, they can't get in. Because something went wrong with money and you couldn't figure it out. And you got angry at God and you didn't choose to worship and say, God, I don't understand why I gave away $1,000 and things got worse. But you know what? You are a good God, and I worship you, and I praise you as the generous, mighty God. And and, and until my heart softens and changes, I've got to stay in that place before I move on. Is this making sense? That's what we shared last week. It's so important to worship into the bitter places of my heart. And this is why Israel, despite all that God did, could not enter the promised land, because they didn't deal with the bitterness of their heart. Maybe today you've got bitterness. I think we all do. Hardness, painful times. When our mind goes back to that, our heart begins to react and, and emotions rise up. It's time to worship. It's time to worship into those places. Isn't that good? That's what we did today. We worship God. Some of you have had lousy weeks. But you know what? By worshiping today, and I want you to be strategic. See, some people worship Generally. But there's something about laser-focused worship into events that changes you. Some of you worship and you actually push away the events and say, I worship your God. And God's saying, yeah, with your head, but your heart's not here. Your heart's angry. It's wandering. You're attached to your idols. Anyway, so now I want you to turn to Genesis 22 because we're coming out the other side. Isn't that good? We spoke about dealing with... Broken, bitter hearts. So and I want to talk to you today about the power of a healed heart. And this is a story where the word worship is first mentioned in the Bible. When we find a first mention of a word, God's given us like neon light. Study this passage. This is so powerful. And this is a story of Abraham and Isaac. And Abraham said, There's a clue straight away. People with hard hearts don't hear his voice. Today, if you will hear my voice. See, Abraham knew the ways of God. We're going to see this. But he heard the voice of God. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains on which I shall tell you. What an amazing request from God. God knows that this is a big deal, the son that you love, your only son. So Abraham rose up in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar. There's some things you can only see in the spirit. I want you to notice it wasn't the first day or the second day, but the third day. third day speaks about men and women of the Spirit. And some of the circumstances that you're going to face, some of the things you're going to go through, you need eyes from the Spirit, Holy Spirit, to see and perceive. Those who don't know God, read this passage and think God's a butcher. God's an angry. He was against, you know, he's, he says, Don't sacrifice people. Now he's telling you to sacrifice. They don't understand anything about this passage. Abraham enters this situation with eyes of faith, eyes of the spirit. Some of you need to stop looking at your circumstances through natural eyes and say, Lord, teach me how to see. Yes. Amen. Yes. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay there with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder. Isn't that a great word, yonder? I like that word, yonder. The lad and I will go yonder. I feel like yodeling when I read that word. Probably yonder. They. No, I won't do that. They, <clears throat> I will go yonder and worship. Do you hear that? You stay here. We're going to go and worship. And then we will come back. To you, I mean, that's an amazing statement in itself. Abraham knew, didn't know how God was going to do it. And many of you are like this. God's told you to do things. You don't know how God, you don't know what, what's going to take place. But you do know one thing, God's going to see it through. I don't know whether he's going to raise him from the dead, but God's given me a promise that through this seed, all the nations will be blessed. The Messiah is coming out of this, son. So I don't know what you're going to do, God. I have no comprehension, but I know one thing. You are faithful and you are going to get me through. And some of you, that's all you've got to hang on to is this. I know you will never leave me or forsake me. I don't know how you're going to do it, but you will do it. And that's good enough for me. Maybe. Verse 9. And they came to the place of which God had told him. The place is really important. And Abraham built an altar, placed the wood on it, and bound his son. I read that enough because, you know, the way my mind works is I'm looking for patterns and numbers. And I'm thinking, oh, well, that's interesting. Builds an altar, places wood in order or battle array, and places his son. And I was thinking the thing about worship in difficult times that it's so important that we get the order right, that everything is established on a foundation of worship. The altar is built. The wood, which is a picture of humanity or our soul, is placed in order. it comes into alignment, and then the circumstance of the situation is placed on top and bound to the altar. Are you hearing me? Yes. Yes. So often we need to speak to our soul. The psalmist does it all the time. My soul, rise up and praise the Lord. Actually bring order to your soul. Many of us, when we go through bad times, our soul is totally chaotic it's running here, emotions. Nah, 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 nah. He brought his soul, placed it upon the altar of worship. (coughs) Worship is the foundation for every situation. What do you do when everything's going wrong? You begin with worship. Amen? Bring your soul into alignment and then you put your situation, you bring your situation into the environment of worship. Anyway, Abraham stretched out his hand, took the knife to slay his son, but the angel said, of the Lord called him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And just as well Abraham could listen. And he said, here I am, Lord. he said, don't touch your son. Don't do anything to him, for I know that you fear God, since you've not withheld your son, your only son from me. Let me tell you something about major events in your life. There are certain events in your life that name you spiritually. Specific acts of faith that you will perform that create a godly identity in your lineage. I don't know if you got that. There are certain acts that you will perform, both positive and negative, that will define you in the realm of the Spirit and your lineage. You know, I was praying about areas of prosperity in my life, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, Andrew, this is not the only reason, but Andrew, I'm going to bless you and bless your socks off so much. And one of the reasons I'm going to bless you is because you're your grandpa. My grandpa owned acres of land in Notting Hill. He had a big farm there. Imagine what that would be worth today. And uh, when he went into, uh, became a pastor, he sold his farm and gave the majority of his proceeds to the church and went and followed the Lord and served him. When he died, I think he died with a small amount of money. Amazing sacrifice, but that it defines you. That says, you know what, money doesn't have a hold on me. God, you speak, I will give. I understand you can prosper me. And, and grandpa was always, all his needs were always met. He had a house, he had a wonderful family. His children went into ministry, his grandchildren. Specific acts that you do, they live on in your generation. See, some of the choices that you are making when you step out in faith, it's not just about you, my friend. It's about your children and your children's children. Sometimes when you withdraw, you're actually making decisions for your family, spiritually. And and the angel says, because you've not withheld your son, I'm going to bless you. But not just you, I'm going to bless your sons and grandchildren and you today. Isn't that amazing? So be encouraged when God asks you to step out in faith. It's bigger than what you think. It's not just about that event. It's about a whole lot of stuff. Then Abraham lifted his eyes, verse 13, and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And Abraham went, took the ram, offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. Amen? Amen. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you would have been so wrapped that day. <gasps> Thank you, Lord, you came through. As it's said in this day, in the mountain of the Lord, it shall be provided. Yeah. This event created a precedent, a prototype. From this time forward, all the descendants of Abraham—and who's that today? Uh-huh. Yep. Only some of you. Yeah, okay, <laughs> who's a descendant of Abraham? Yeah. Give you a clue. Read the book of Galatians. You are the seed of Abraham. All of them would be able to see into their future and find their provision. Oh, it doesn't an interest any of you? Okay. All of them, the seed of Abraham, as they worship, would be able to see. God would open their eyes to see and find provision. Find revelation. Get revelation of what God is doing. Find provision. That's for you today. Maybe some of you don't want it, Lord. What they have and they don't want, give it to me. Thank you. He said he would. <laughs> How many would like provision today? Yeah, yeah. That's good. So as I read this story, I begin to see that in the atmosphere of worship, our hearts are healed, idols broken, and we begin to see destiny and provision. Why is this a big deal? Because. My job, one of my jobs as your pastor, is to help you find a healed heart so when destiny comes calling and provision and God's trying to show you things, you can perceive it and grab it and hold it. See, if Abraham had have gone in with a wounded, bitter heart, he wouldn't have seen the provision that was always there. See, problem with people with unbelieving hearts, they miss the provision that's right in front of them. But you can't see when your hearts are filled with bitterness. They came to the place, in verse 9, of which God had told them. Mount Moriah is the key place in this story. It's a a picture of the heart. It's the same location where David built his tent, where Solomon's temple is built, where Jesus. It's the same location, mountain Range, where Jesus is crucified. It's a picture of man's heart connected to God's heart. Psalm 84, 5 says, How blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are the highway to Zion. Mount Zion, Mount Moriah, same, same mountain range. And, and Abraham is in a place where God is doing a work on his heart. This mountain is all about the heart. Isn't it interesting it says in Isaiah 2, 2, In the last days... The mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the chief among all mountains. It will be raised above the hills and nations will stream to it. God's not talking about mountains. He's talking about people's hearts. He's saying in the last days, I'm going to raise up a people whose hearts are going to be absolutely smitten by the revelation of the goodness of God in every circumstance. And the nations will stream to those people. Isaiah says, there'll be deep darkness in the world and the lights will shine. What? The revelation of the goodness of God. And that's what I want for you today, for your hearts to be convinced. No matter what takes place, my God is good. It may not look good, but I'm going to build an altar. I'm going to bring my soul into alignment and I'm going to bind every circumstance to the revelation of the goodness of God. And as I do that, I will see the provision of God. Are you hearing me? So God says to Abraham, go to Mount Moriah. Go to my heart. Come to my heart. When you're going through a difficult circumstance, don't run to idols. Come to my heart and worship. Are you hearing this? It's only in his heart that you can see his provision. If you're ticked off with God today, you're not going to see his provision like you should. This is the story of Israel. The hearts don't know him. They don't. See, when your hearts are hardened, you cannot understand his ways. And the signs are on the way. You won't, you'll miss the signs, the wonders, the gifts. Is this making sense? Yeah. Yeah. So we read at the start from Hebrews, and, and this is the picture of Hebrews, God saying, I want you to come into my rest, which is heart. And he begins in Hebrews talking about Jesus, the great high priest. And I read you this uh, passage in Hebrews 2. And essentially it says in verse 10 onwards that Jesus has gone before us. He's, later on it says in Hebrews, he's our forerunner. And, and as the role of the high priest, it says in, I think it's verse uh, 12, it says, I'm going to declare your name speaking, speaking of God to my brethren. This is the role of the high priest. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. So as we were singing today, Jesus Is joining and he's singing about the goodness of God. And as we catch a hold of his song, we begin to sing the song of the Lord. That's his role of the high priest. He's constantly offering up praises. Oh, Father, you are so good. Are you hearing me? And again, he says... I will put my trust in him. And here I am in the children you have given me. So Jesus is collecting children, and we're all saying, God, we can put our trust in you. God, you're so amazing. This is the role of the high priest. He calls us into the heart of God, and we begin to worship God. There's a company arising that know the goodness of God. Isn't it amazing? Isaiah twenty-two twenty-two says, And the key of the house of David I will lay upon the shoulder, speaking of Jesus. He will open and they will shut. See, the key to an open door, provision, prosperity, destiny seeds. The key is locked in with the house of David, which is laid upon the shoulder of Jesus. The house of David, well, that speaks about Davidic worship. And David was one that, could, that had such intimacy with the Father. He was a priest and a king, priest, prophet, and king. So he would go into the presence of God and he would come back as a king and he would rule on the earth. And God's saying that one of the roles of Jesus is to give us the keys to the kingdom, to unlock the house of David, which is the whole paradigm that as we worship God, As we ascend and we sit with Jesus and we worship the Father, then we will descend with authority to reign as kings on earth. Are you hearing me? Verse 13 now of Genesis 22. We're on the home stretch. So location was important. He comes to a place. And if you're going to go through difficult times, you better make sure that you locate yourself yourself. In the heart of God. For there is security and provision. Do you hear me? But it says in verse 13, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and there was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. And you know the story that I read. (coughs) Abraham saw something, so God was able to do something. Can I say that again? Abraham saw something... So God could do something. If your heart's hard, you can't see. And if you can't see, God can't do anything. The key for, that, for receiving provision, for releasing the power of God, is to see. Healthy hearts see. In the name of that place, Abraham called Jehovah Jireh. God is the one who causes you to see. Jireh is a seeing word. God said to Jeremiah, what do you see? See, if I'm not seeing, it's, a, it's, it's telling me that I'm not, I haven't located myself in the heart of God. Whenever I stop seeing, whenever I lose hope, I stop seeing future. I stop, stop seeing potential and provision. And I have those days, asked ask Karen, I wake up, I can't see anything. I just see fog. And it's a picture that I've, there's woundedness, there's bitterness, there's pain. I've got to go back to Mount Moriah. Oh, let me swim in your heart again. Tell me about your heart again, God. Remind me about what you were doing in that circumstance. And as I do that, he opens my eyes, I begin to see again. And I want to say to you, God is speaking and showing all the time. I read just in... and I'm just sort of going to take a little detour just for a couple of minutes. I, I read this week... In Facebook, which is the bearer of all good news, accurate source of information. Just a friend put a thing on Facebook, a pastor in Adelaide, and God spoke to him about Mick Fanning. You know that you all saw the video? Well, an amazing video. And see, many people whose hearts are hardened to God, they don't believe that God still speaks. They're not seeing. But yet this man. My friend saw God speaking through that circumstance. said, so whenever God speaks to people, sometimes he'll do it on a national scale. Australian surfer beats off a shark. This shark could have taken him. My friend said that the moment he saw that, the Lord said to him, I've closed the mouth of that shark and delivered him, the surfer, from an impossible situation. And Psalm 124.7 came to me. We have escaped like a bird from a hunter's trap. The trap is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord. And he said, Mick Fanning represents Australia and all the individuals in Australia that are facing impossible circumstances. God is here right now as our deliverer. And he escaped unscathed you see well, it's a great story but the whole thing is when our hearts are filled with worship and the goodness of God we begin to perceive God speaking in so many ways and that's what I love that, that's, that's one of the reasons it's not the primary but it's an overflow I want to keep my heart right before God because that's where I find life but one of the benefits is I begin to see and hear And that's what destiny seeds. You see, if I keep my heart right, seeds will come and they'll begin to germinate. God will show me things. I'll give you another example. I'd read... um, Is it all right if I just give one more example? Oh, thank you. (laughs) I was reading uh, a a prophetic word from Johnny Enlow. If you haven't read his books, get them. Fabulous. We're trying to get Johnny out to Australia at the moment. But he talked about we're in a season, a 14-year season, where the enemies come against the church and just spewed out hopelessness. And he talked about how Jacob battled for 14 years and served for 14 years for Rebecca. How Joseph was confined in prison for 14 years. He said that we're in a season right now, coming up to Shemitah, where four He says one of the things that God's doing in this season right now, he's going to give us double for our shame. Isaiah says that for your shame, you will have double. And he uses a play on words, double you. God's going to double you. He says the double you will be four. There will be fresh worship that will come. In fact, he says our assignment will come out of our worship. He's going to give us fresh wisdom, wealth and wonders of the spirit. And I'm reading this and thinking that makes sense. On so many levels, I haven't even time to talk about. But have a look at this. When your heart's soft towards God, because in a second I'll show you a picture. Jen put a picture up on Facebook. And I'm not saying this to be like cocky, but most people don't even see what God's saying. But look at this picture. Can you see that? Jen, who's in charge of Hope Hubs here, was... Making eggs for breakfast, or for a son, or someone—probably John—he'd eat that many. <laughs> and um, this, these all came out of one packet. Yeah. What is the chance of seven double yokers in one package? Mm-hmm. Not li- really like, Has anyone else ever had that seven in a row? No. Can I see six, five, or <laughs> okay? I looked at that and I thought, wow. double for your trouble. 14 years it's interesting and so what I'm saying because this is just a little side note I thought I'd share that with you but when your heart is soft towards God you begin to pick up that God is speaking through riddles unusual circumstances Moses and the burning bush that's what that was all over the place when our hearts are free from bitterness, unbelief will shut you down people will see a pitch like that and say whatever but God's speaking today. If you will hear my voice and not harden your heart, as I did in the rebellion, I want to take you into the promised land. We're going to finish with Genesis 29, verse 35. Any people want eggs for lunch now? Leah who you don't hear a lot of good sermons on. She's the unloved wife. She's the wife you get, you know, when you don't want a wife. She's Well, that's what she was. I'm not saying it was right, but that's what it was. She was, she was the set of steak knives that came with the package. <laughs> and she has three boys to Jacob. And that, Literally, that's what it was. It, it's, it's, her story is a painful story. She has three sons and Jacob still doesn't love her. He's just got eyes for Rachel. And finally she turns to the Lord and she conceives and she bears a son and she calls him Judah. And she says, this time I will praise the Lord. And this is what God's calling us to do. In the midst of difficult, painful circumstances, we will be people that will praise Hosea 10.11 says, Judah will plough. And when our hearts are being walked over time and time again, Judah will plough. Why do we need to plough? Because Mark 4 says, the seeds come, the sower's sowing seeds of destiny. And he's looking for hearts that are being ploughed, that are viable, that are going to take root. Proverbs talks about the poor, that there's so much riches and potential under the ground but it's it's hardened they can't see it their hearts are hard and so the the challenge for us today is will we be people of worship i think of another story where Israel's having a war with benjamin benjamin have done the wrong thing and god says i want you israel to go and deal with them and he says by the way send judah out first so they send judah out and israel gets smashed they come back and say, God, did we do the right thing? Yeah, you did the right thing. Send Judah out again. Okay, boys, Judah going out again. Judah goes out again, bang, smacked again. Well, they think, this is not going too well. We've lost thousands of men. God, this is a third time now, do you have a plan, one that works? And he says, yes, I do. Send Judah out again. So Judah goes out again, leads the way, and Israel wins this amazing battle so the lesson for us is don't stop praising yeah, yeah. Yeah. in the midst of bitterness and pain don't stop praising it will heal your heart it will position you to see and we start off in the flesh we praise once we uh, we just and then we start out with our emotions and then we get into the realm of the spirit for God is a spirit and we worship in spirit you keep worshiping over those circumstances yeah. and you will go from I'm worshipping because this is the decision I'm going to make. And one day you will step into a realm of the spirit where you worship and you bring down the strongholds in life. As you worship, you'll begin to see what you've never seen before. Are you hearing me today? Worship heals our heart and then worship empowers our heart to see destiny seeds before us, the provision of the Lord. I'm convinced that as we live this lifestyle, it's going to shift a whole city. Someone made this comment. It may or not, may not be true, but it was just a perception that most... She, this lady believed that most people don't believe... The issue is not that do they believe that God exists. The issue is, does God care about me and is he good? So the big battle that we have to change society and government, business, Whatever field you're in is the battle over the goodness of God. We will love the Lord with all of our heart. Is God faithful? Is he good? And as we develop, as individuals develop a whole heart that worships him, it's going to shift our city. I am convinced the war will be won through worship. Amen? So this week in your workplace... When people can't see any evidence of the goodness of God, walk in there today or whenever you go and begin to worship. I bless you, Lord. I stand up in our, over our city and I worship over our city. Jesus, you are eternally good over Melbourne. Your heart is for this city. You've got strategies and provision for this city. You know the answer to every problem that we're facing, problems in public transport. Problems in family. You've got solutions that will help the church and the and and every lobby group that's coming against us. You've got the solution for that to bring to bring the answer, the best answer. We worship you as the all wise one, as the good one, and as the church begins to do that over the city, but beginning in their own life, things are going to change. Amen. So, want you put your hand on your heart if you can find it? I'm glad you're still laughing. <laughs> Father, we thank you today that you give us this amazing key of worship to heal every bitter memory, every, everything that we don't understand about you and your ways and our life. You've given us this beautiful key of worship where we can enter into your heart, swim in your heart, and begin to feel your love. And as we worship you, you begin to take away the sting like Thomas when he reached his hand into your side, touched your heart, and when his hand came out, his heart was healed. I thank you today that you're doing that afresh. You're teaching us how to go into every circumstance of our life and worship over and worship over and worship over and worship over until we gain our victory. And I thank you, Lord, that as we do that, like Abraham, you cause us to see. He went to the hill of the Lord Mount Zion, the heart of God. And he began to see. He not only saw your goodness, but he saw his destiny. He looked forward and he saw Jesus coming. He saw the Messiah, the Savior of the world. He looked forward and he saw the provision of the ram. And I just speak over every heart, Lord, that your desire is to heal it. You're going to heal it and heal it. And then that healed soft heart is going to receive seed, 30, 60, 100 fold. It's going, to see, it's going to see the way you speak and the way you operate in whole new levels because every healed heart sees. And I thank you for that today, Lord. Thank you that you're opening the eyes of our understanding, our heart to see. Thank you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that as your wonderful people go out this week to their workplaces, their schools, everywhere they go, the shopping centres, they would take the healed and expanded view of God wherever they go. They would release your heart, I ask. And Lord, when we fail and mess up and get angry, then bring us back again to your heart. I ask in the name of Jesus. Now, I know this may be a funny thing, but I'm just wondering if you would join with me and picture yourself in his heart. Picture his pleasure over you because he is pleased because you're in Christ and God's eternally pleased with Jesus. God loves you. God loves everything about you. God's plans for you are good. See yourself there wrapped In his love. How great is the love of the Father towards us. God so loved the world. I thank you for that, Lord. Heal every heart, expand their heart, sow seeds in their heart this week, I ask. And today, if you don't know Jesus, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, to come into your life, you can do that wherever you sit. You, see, the Bible says if you would believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus would come in. You say, Lord, I believe that you are the one that came to die for me. I ask that you come into my heart. I receive your forgiveness. Be my Lord, my Savior. Come and make your, I ask Holy Spirit that you would come and, and make your home in my heart. See, as you begin to verbalize that and open up your heart to him, Jesus will come in. Wherever you are today, if you've never done that, just ask him now, Jesus, come into my heart. Thank you, Lord. I bless every person here today. I pray that as they leave this place, cause them to prosper in everything that they do. Let your love surround them. I pray that there would be glory bombs of your love over them this week, that they would sense your presence come upon them in such powerful ways.